We're podcasting from the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services. And it's my honor and privilege to have today Auxiliary Bishop F. Richard Spencer. Bishop Spencer, thank you for joining me today to talk about your ministry. Well, you're more than welcome, and hello to all of our listeners today. Uh, To set up our little chat this morning, I just want to uh, put things in context. Archbishop Broly has four auxiliary bishops. We have uh, an auxiliary bishop for the Western United States. That's Bishop Neil Buchan. For the Eastern United States, Bishop Robert Coyle. uh, Auxiliary bishop for for Veterans Affairs, Bishop Richard Higgins. And uh, Bishop Spencer, you are the Auxiliary Bishop for Europe and Asia. Just uh, two continents, yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, that is a huge, huge territory, Uh, and I suppose you do a lot of traveling. Every week, and it takes a lot of coordination, but with cooperation and the assistance of a lot of volunteers, we get it done. And uh, so tell me, what is, uh, what is your uh, a day in the life, a week in the life of uh, an auxiliary bishop for Europe and Asia like? Primarily, it's visitations to our various military chapels. But also, as you may know, in our jurisdiction, we have not only the Department of Defense, we also have Department of State. We have the U.S. embassies in our jurisdiction. And so that would involve visits to the embassies as well as to the various military chapels. And uh, this is all throughout Europe and Asia? Correct, both continents. Um, and so in uh, most of your time, I suspect, though, is, is on military installation. You live in Germany. Correct. I live in Wiesbaden right outside of Frankfurt. It gets me kind of close to the Frankfurt airport, which is a good hub to service both Asia as well as throughout all of Europe. And when you b- visit the installations, uh, you, I suspect, uh, hear a confession or two, celebrate a mass? Uh, perform yes, a- primarily the purpose is uh, a pastoral visitation, to visit with the staff, to visit with that priest chaplain, but also to minister the joys of the sacrament of confirmation to our young adults. And how do you keep up with such an exhausting schedule? How do you sustain yourself spiritually, physically? Plan, 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 and again, just to coordinate and to schedule accordingly. You do want to be sensitive to time changes and jet lag and so forth. So it takes a deliberate pacing of the schedule as well as of myself. So being attentive to soul, body, and mind, and making sure spiritually that I'm connected close to the sacraments even for my own personal journey but as well, uh, making sure I'm getting enough sleep, enough exercise, and good nutrition to sustain me. And you have a lot of experience at that, at being a former chaplain yourself. Yes, I just uh, retired in 2014 after 33 years of serving with our U.S. military. So again, the whole rhythm of life and just being attentive to uh, make sure that we take care of soul, body, and mind. And... Um, Along those lines, what would you say is the uh, some of the main differences in ministering to servicemen and women and their families uh, compared to work in an ordinary parish, civilian parish? The close net of the community, the community members realizing that they need to rely upon one another, 
really helps build community within the chapels. And so I find it very exciting on how they come together to support each other in the good times as well as the difficult times that military families have to face. And you've been in a number of combat situations yourself as a chaplain. Yes, uh, been to Iraq five times, Afghanistan twice, as well as also at the Pentagon on 9-11. And do you find that uh, being in a war situation and ministering to uh, men and women who are in that uh, type of situation where the uh, the uh, threat of loss of life is real uh, and that there's an ultimate confrontation with one's mortality, does that tend to make uh, people more spiritual? More spiritual and also more authentic and more transparent. They, they realize that, you know, life is very vulnerable at times. And when you have it up front in front of you and when you have... Uh, destruction, you have death surrounding you, it really does heighten your whole sensitivity and awareness of the value of life. You recently penned a chapter in a book called Prayer in the Catholic Tradition, which was edited by Robert J. Wick. And I had the great pleasure of reading this chapter, and I thought it was just wonderful. Um for the listener who has not had the chance to read it yet, uh, fill us in a little bit. What was your message in this chapter? Well, I was very honored to be able to contribute to this wonderful book, Praying in the Catholic Tradition by Dr. Wicks. And it, it was a, an attempt to put a pastoral glimpse into the life of prayer in the military style. And I used the analogy of airborne jumping that when you jump out of the airplane, which I've done several times, and the point of contact when you make contact with the earth, it's very important that you do it in sequence. And so we call that the postures of airborne jumping. This particular chapter of the book on military prayer talks also about postures of prayer. Prayer moments in kneeling, prayer moments of standing, prayer moments of just being present to others in the midst of their lives. And uh, you mentioned jumping out of planes. Um, you had an experience of closeness with God as you free fall. Tell us a little about that. It is wonderful. Highly recommend it. It, it is so quiet. Once the aircraft has floated off into the distance, and there you are, just suspended, hanging in midair, it is so quiet. You know that you are touching the heavens. And it's a, it's a beautiful, prayerful, spiritual experience. And uh, you mentioned uh, uh, one incident, uh, I believe it was in Iraq, where uh, you uh, had a brush with a roadside bomb. Am I re- recollecting that correctly? Well, there were uh, a couple of situations in which we had what they call IEDs, improvised explosive devices that would be placed along the road. And Yes, there were a couple of explosions and also some near misses, but uh, through the ad- advance of technology, we were able to stay pretty safe. And so what is that close call, that close brush brush with with death like? What was it like for you? Definitely uh, calls to mind, to attention that we are mortal beings, that we do have a limitation to the existence of this life. But it also heightens the awareness, the joy, the hope of what the next life will bring. 
I truly believe in guardian angels. I definitely believe in the power of intercessory prayer. And because of my guardian angels and because of the intercessory prayer of many of our followers of the Archdiocese for the Military Services, I, I feel very sustained and feel very, very safe, even in the midst of conflict and war. For someone who would like to purchase a copy of Prayer in the Catholic Tradition, and by the way, I would recommend it. It's a wonderful book. Thank you. Uh, where where in, in your chapter particularly stands out, uh, and I think it would speak uh, directly to uh, members of the AMS, the Archdiocese for the Military Services, uh, simply because of the, not only because of how well it is written, but also because of the direct personal connection. And I think a lot of uh, uh, people in the service could uh, certainly personally relate to your experiences and uh, your spiritual direction that you provide in this chapter. Where can they purchase a copy of this book? The simplest way would be to go to Amazon.com. And I, I have personally also purchased a number of books and gifted other people with those books simply by purchasing through Amazon.com. Great. Thank you so much for sharing about that chapter. Just one other question about it, by the way. How did it come about that uh, you were uh, selected to pin this chapter? Well, Dr. Wicks is a prolific uh, writer and also a lecturer. He's a uh, has given lectures to our various military academies and also various venues uh, throughout the world. And so I've had the joy of being a participant in his lectures as a listener and just admire his work. And so that's the contact, the friendship that he and I established. You get around a lot. You live in Europe. Uh, you witness firsthand events taking place in the world that most of us don't get to see. And one of the things we hear about what's going on abroad and in Europe in particular is an abandonment of the Catholic faith, uh, the sense that folks are becoming so secular that they no longer go to church on Sunday, they don't practice the faith. Give us a reality check. Is that true or not? Actually, my experience has been a little bit different. Uh, I do find a hunger. I do find an increased level of participation. We have a lot of, for example, in Germany, we have a lot of locals from the German community that want to come and worship at our military Catholic chapels because our Catholic chapels are vibrant and, and family-oriented. So we do find a hunger from the various locals that wanting to come and worship along with us. I do have opportunity to visit various uh, other uh, churches, uh, Catholic churches in the country of uh, Germany in particular, and there is an increase. There is a sense of hope uh, and excitement and also the need to be connected to back to their Catholic faith. So I'm rather hopeful and op- optimistic about the future. What about the rise in populism and the sentiment against uh uh, immigrants, we see that in this country, but we also hear a lot of, about it in Germany and in other mm-hmm. parts of Europe. Uh, do you think we're headed for another period of uh, crusades? By that I mean holy wars, pitting Christians against Muslims. I do not. Uh, you know, the goodness of people is servicing. What we do not read a lot about is the number of uh, people that are out 
supporting and helping to sustain these visitors, the immigrants, the migrants. Uh, as I visit various other communities throughout Europe, I see very actively involved the different Catholic churches that are helping establish sanctuaries, they're helping to establish families to get uh, employment, to have uh, school opportunities for their kids. We don't read about a lot of those good news stories, but I see it. And so, uh, again, yes, there are some elements that are resistive to the welcoming of migrants and immigrants, but overall, uh, the people are reaching out, being inclusive, welcoming, and helping these families to adjust. What has been the impact of Pope Francis? Tremendous. Uh, His stability, his sense of humor, his insights, and most importantly, his spiritual life uh, has been a a sign of great hope and also of inspiration. Do you sense that uh, he is beckoning uh, those who have fallen away to come back to the church? He is definitely welcoming people who live on the margins of our faith and inviting them to take another look, to come back and to see and to reconcile. He is himself a great reconciler, and he welcomes us, and he is a true shepherd to all of us. Uh, have you seen any uh, direct result from that that you could measure or any sense that uh, there is a favorable response to his invitation. Absolutely. And in particular in the confessional, I I receive people's uh, visits who in the confessional who say that they've been away from the church for a period of time, but they've listened to what Pope Francis has been writing and saying, and they're coming back to look and see and to pursue their particular spiritual journeys as well. That's great to hear. You get around to some of the... um, pilgrimages in uh, Europe. Can you, um, and I think one of them is uh, Lourdes, uh, uh, but others too, can you share with us uh, what it's like to uh, embark on these pilgrimages? Some of these pilgrimages go on for miles and miles and miles. You walk. Uh, Share with us uh, one or two examples of these pilgrimages that you make. These are great external ways to express our faith, but also to share our faith with other pilgrims. In particular, this year, it's the 100th anniversary year of Our Lady of Fatima. There's no doubt in my mind that Our Lady is at work in today's world. Just as 2,000 years ago in that first Advent, she prepared the world for that first coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. She's at work today, preparing the world for that second Advent. And yes, I do believe in the apparitions. I do believe in the manifestations of her presence there at Fatima and at Lourdes, uh, over in Poland, Our Lady of Czestochowa, and the various military pilgrimages that go on for 10 days of walking to Czestochowa every August as they prepare for the great feast day. And then there at Lourdes, God bless our beloved Knights of Columbus who are enabling this year over 146 pilgrims, wounded warriors, and a companion to be able to come to Lourdes as a place of prayer, a place of healing. These are awesome moments of God's presence being manifested. Highly recommend a pilgrimage for all people. Bishop F. Richard Spencer, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to me today. Thank you, Taylor, and God bless the AMS, and God bless America.